You ever felt you're being watched sometimes? Have you ever had a cold shiver run down your spine? Sometimes we go through that. Sometimes we look for answers to questions we don't really truly understand. Like, are we truly alone in the universe? Is there life after death? This world is weird. It gets weirder by the day. And in that weird are questions that we have as curious beings known as humans. Tonight, we look into some of those questions and get a little weird. Cause we all are just a tad bit weird. Tonight on Weekend Weird. Hey, this is Red Nick here. Uh, this episode of Weekend Weird. It's a new episode. Uh, how y'all doing today? Uh, just got finished recording it with uh, Laurel. She's back with us. I have no idea when Ogul uh, or any other co-host is going to come back. Uh... But, hey, uh, the real has been a good host, uh, co-host, excuse me, with me. Uh, we had a really good discussion. Uh, this episode is on, uh, it's a little historical episode I have going on, especially since this is, it, it was not that planned to happen like this because of the world situation and our thoughts are with, uh, the Ukrainian people in this this atrocious attack onto their homeland and their sovereignty by a absolute madman, Vladimir Putin. Um, our thoughts are with the Ukrainian people. Our also our thoughts are with the Russian working class because they didn't ask for this. They, they didn't want this. They didn't ask for this. Um, and to blame them for this uh, is just wrong. Um, I've seen reports of people. Um, accosting and attacking Russian businesses in this country and around the world and also Russian people. They had nothing to do with this. Their name is not Vladimir Putin. Uh, save your response for Vladimir Putin, not for the Russian working class. They had nothing to do with this. This is not their war. They did not ask for this. Uh, so our thoughts are with uh, them um, and our thoughts are with the Ukrainian people at this time. But uh, again, we didn't we didn't know that this was going to happen when we were going to do this episode. We're talking about uh, Rasputin, uh, Gregory Rasputin, the uh, mystic uh, that had enticed uh, the Romanov family, the ruling family of Russia, um, in um, the uh, 1900s uh, before uh, Tsar Nicholas II, the uh, Tsar, uh, the ruling of Russia, was. Uh, deposed uh, by the October Revolution and uh, well by the, by the provisional government at that time uh, we've been talking about Rasputin also talking about the Ronos um, and dispelling some of the myths um, and untruths that were propagated and reported about both Rasputin and the Ronos and bringing you the truth. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, these, the Rasputin and Tsar Nicholas II and his wife Alexandria are not exactly great people. Um, we're not saying anything about what well, we're saying about the kids. The kids had nothing 
pretty much do with that um and talking about their lives leading them up to the point where they meet and where um everything really starts going downhill for uh the russian empire um czarist russia whatever you want to call it even though it was going pretty bad uh, before the the czar and rasputin had met uh but it was even more exasperated because of that so um again Rel kirkpatrick joins me for this episode of uh co-hosting with me um this is a very long episode um i thought about breaking up into two parts uh but like it, i don't know but this is i don't know um but yeah here you know what? Yes, we're, we're going to break this up into two parts. So here is the first part. Um, the second part will be released um, the following day. So y'all enjoy the first the first part. Hello? Hey. Oh, gosh. Finally. Jesus. <laughs> this had to be an anchor thing. I'm on the third device in a second room. Damn. <laughs> just and then I, I loaded three other sites just to see. And yeah. Just thinking a long ass time. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> good. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, what, what is that <laughs> on yet? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Probably is an anchor thing. Oh, but how are oh, you finally on? <laughs> I'm, I know, right? I'm doing okay now that I'm here. Now that I'm here, ready to talk about Rasputin and them. Yeah. <laughs> talk about this man who is horrible, terrible, terrible person, but uh, the people who tried to, I guess, swindle, help, whatever you want to say it, were worse. <laughs> they, they I like in the first. I like how he, he's, if, if I end up dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will join if me. I end... <laughs> you will I'm... join me. Just put it like that. You and I yeah. can still <laughs> hang out that day. Yeah. That's a, that's a hell of a thing to tell somebody. Yeah. Well, that was. <laughs> Don't be too <laughs> sad. Big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> Ta -ta. Who wants to hear that? Who wants to hear that ever? <laughs> well, if you if you, if you realize, I think he realized the circumstances in which uh, everyone was in in Russia at that time. He was like, "Yeah, y'all, y'all go follow me." So <laughs> people were tired of him. It's really yeah. interesting because everything that I found, I mean, I guess I, I, I can look at the movies I've seen about Rasputin and he seemed to be just kind of, you know, uh, a not great character. Mm -hmm. But uh, it seems like, you know, the people who quote unquote liked him were even less great. So, right. And years so and... of shared DNA, that's rough. That's a rough one. Yeah, and that's the thing with Rasputin, especially how he's portrayed in, like, fiction or movies, plays, television shows, you know. They show this guy just swindling this this uh, 
uh, family, this poor, this poor defenseless family that just wanted their son. Uh, <laughs> I'm, to, poor. Uh, I'm like, which family are you talking about? How they frame it, this poor yeah. defenseless family <laughs> who literally controlled one sixth of the world's popular uh, world's the world, land mass. the yes. world, <laughs> yes, the world's landmass. And yeah, he was probably a swindler a little bit, but I, I like reading up on it, it, it seems like he believed that he was actually trying to help these people. Um, and like, there are some, like, like, don't get me wrong, this guy is. <laughs> Is a bad person, but compared to Czar Nicholas the First and his wife, there's no yeah, comparison. Because Czar, he didn't Nicholas have that much power. He, he could be a bad person all day, but he definitely yeah. didn't have their power. Yeah, he he didn't. He just wanted to make himself uh, better and seem more important. And yeah. during that, he pissed off a lot of other family members of <laughs> this family, and they're like. And you're in this situation <laughs> where ever they're in World War One, and right things are already not good. Things yeah, are already not the best. And people are rebelling, and this is like the fourth time they rebelled. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like sooner bad. or later they're gonna see the similarity in these rebellion times. There's something yeah. similar about these things, and it's you guys. So yeah, <laughs> it's you guys, and like uh, even like even betrayal of not just him, but also the Ronoffs. Mm, yeah, especially this sure. simple sympathetic portrayal that they give this family, and like yeah, kill, yeah spoiler. Alert. The Bo- the the Bolsheviks killed this entire family. Like, but but um, but it's such a <laughs> it's such a interesting, and it seems like it seems like they killed the entire. So I don't I don't know about it now because I feel like we're we're yeah. dragging them to the beginning. Yeah, um, like, but what I'm trying, uh, what I'm saying is, yeah, killing kids is bad. Um, Not, the, it, you know, it's horrible. <laughs> they had they and and I guess if you look at it back in terms of those times, yeah. I don't know how you could leave the kids alive and they won't feel some type of way. Had to come to power and return, but who wants to deal with that? Yeah, I, I'm not saying it was right. I'm saying I understand. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty much what I just said, especially the crap that this. Family, particularly the czar and his wife, put these people through. Yeah, they deserve the bullets in the head. I don't know about the kids, but yeah, it's you got to do what you got to do. But um, we're talking about on this episode both Rasputin <laughs> and the Romanov family, particularly Tsar Nicholas II and his wife uh, Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Um, the quality kid. leader in her own, in her own. Yes, she was, she was really quality, quality person. She's <laughs> just as shitty as fucking Czar Nicholas. I was, I was talking about the leadership. I wasn't talking about her as an individual. Her leadership and as an individual. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, when you're bad, you're bad. You know, I'll yeah, give you that. You, you just, 
Yeah, just a horrible fucking person. But uh, let's get started. <laughs> We're going to talk about Rasputin before he reads the world also a little bit. So okay. his full name is Gregory, I'm going to butcher this, Yevinovich Rasputin. He was born in Siberia in 1869. He was a Serbian peasant, peasant who claimed to be a mystic who uh, pretty much just went around claiming he, he was a mystic. Somebody um, believed him. Well, a lot of people believe it. They literally thought that he was this powerful man. And hey, when you got that title and you're able to convince the ruling uh, person that's in charge of the country, yeah, you're, you didn't, <laughs> just, you didn't got up. And he did this while being illiterate. Completely. He Likely. was completely illiterate. He attended school, but didn't learn a damn thing. He didn't do well. <laughs> yeah. Um, his family was, again, um, peasants at, uh, in Serbia. Um, let me bring up a little bit about his dad. Uh, yeah, there were peasants in Serbia. He... Um, yeah, so they were poor. Like, like th they were in a caste system where pretty much you were the peasantry. Like, it was literally slavery back then mm -hmm. before reforms came in. Uh, I believe with uh, Alexander the the second uh, of the third, excuse me, Alexander the third, who did uh, reforms and get and abolished the peasantry. Uh, like that back then, being a serf means that you were owned along with the property mm -hmm. that yeah. you worked on. You came with uh, it. Yeah, you came with it. Uh, same sort of system. This was going on even after the American Civil War uh, at, at the time before it was absolutely abolished. Um, around, I would say, when he was 18, he had a religious conversion experience taking a pilgrimage to a monastery around 1897. Um, uh, don't know what this pilgrimage entails, but afterwards he described himself as a monk, even though he held no official position in the Russian Orthodox Church. If you don't want to see bad shit, no, not bad shit, crazy, <laughs> just just oh, just clinging on to the old right. world, the Russian Orthodox Church really does that. <laughs> Some people didn't want to didn't want to give it up. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. No, yep. absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, he, he had this conversion when he was 18 and he described himself as a monk even though he never joined the Russian Orthodox Church. They grew to hate him too. <laughs> and it was just like a crowd of people who just absolutely grow to hate this man except for the most important person in, in the country and his wife for what what he was able to do for them, but we'll get to that um, a little bit. And later. so, the thing, the thing, uh, I, guess, I guess before that, right? He went. He went into this. This. Yeah. Uh, he went into this monastery, and you know, yeah, he fell in love with somebody. Mm -hmm. He left. Yeah, he did. He fell left in the order love. Mm -hmm, to marry yeah, this he, person. He fell in love. Yeah. He fell in love with a peasant girl named Pat. God, these Russian names. It was uh, rough. Yeah, Pat. Keep it. Come on, Diodovich. fight it. Fight for it. Fight for it. You gotta fight yeah, for it. Yeah, Paskova 
Dionovich. Okay. I believe that's how I pronounce it. After a courtship of several months, they married in February uh, 1887. Oh, this is before he went on his Willis conversion. Uh, Pavorovich mm-hmm. remained in her part of Russia outside, uh, uh, well, still in Siberia. Throughout Rasputin's travels and rise to prominence, he remained. De- she remained devoted to him until his death. The, cu- the couple had seven sh- children. That's the, those are seven quick kids, but by the way. Only three survived to adulthood. Those kids came quick. Yes, but only three survived into. Yeah, three survived into adulthood. Whew. Yeah. So, like I said earlier, in 1897, he uh, developed a renewed interest in religion and left uh, his town, which I'm not going to pronounce, but, but spelled P O K R O V S K O Y E. <laughs> to go on his pilgrimage. That's a lot. His re- his reasons are unclear, but according to sources, best Rasputin left the village to escape punishment for his role in a horse theft. Hilarious. <laughs> other Completely sources, hilarious. yes. Other sources suggest he had a vision of the Virgin Mary or Saint Simon of uh, Hot Tor. These years are giving you a hard time tonight. Yeah, I know that's yes, right. <laughs> While others suggest that Rasputin's pilgrimage was inspired by a young theological student, uh, Murti Zaborowski. God, I'm really screwing up. Rough. Rough. <laughs> what a, yeah, whatever his reasons, Rasputin cast off his old life. He was 28, married 10 years, with an infant son and another child on the way. His decision could only be occasioned by some sort of emotional or spiritual crisis. Hmm. So, after that, Rasputin spent years that followed a uh, holy pilgrimage and uh, holy... He was known as a holy wanderer and pilgrimage. He left his hometown... Yeah, hometown for months or even years at a time to wander the country and visit various holy sites. Around the early in 1900s, Rasputin had developed a small circle of followers, primary family members, and other local peasants mm-hmm. who prayed with him on Sundays and other holy days when he was in his hometown, building a makeshift chapel in Ephron's, in Ephron's roof cellar. Um, I believe it was one of his cousins. Rasputin was still living with within his father's household at the time. The group held secret prayer meetings there. These meetings were subject of some speculation and hostility for the village priests and other villagers. It was rumored that female followers were ceremoniously watching him before every meeting. Oh, God. saying <laughs> string songs. And even that Rasputin had joined the uh, Kurtzkiki, a religious sect whose ri- rituals were rumored to include self-flagellation and sexual okay. orgies. Yeah, that's another thing. Okay. That, even though it's true. This dude fucked a lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. He fucked a lot. A lot. A whole lot. A lot. He, some so of those times, Yeah. Some of those times, he raped. That's what makes him a horrible oh. person, because he, he was a rapist. He raped some of these women. But some of them were eagerly given up. But this dude had this dude's married. He has seven kids. And he's still rolling around. You know, when the, when the Lord when the Lord tells you to Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Be Cause, fruitful. Cause, yes. What did you go he, do? Exactly. And also uh added to the fact that there was a rumor that he had a 
how do I say this? No oh, god. Horse 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 cock? <laughs> he had he was... one. No, he had one. He was very well endowed. Mm. Okay. I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm look, like you seen a picture of this guy. <laughs> you seen a picture of this guy. I have, yes. Okay, so I mean, you never know. <laughs> you never know. You can't. That's not something you can tell. Enemy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's, not, that's nothing you can tell just by looking. Yeah, well, apparently you did. Well, apparently it's sitting somewhere in someone's. Uh, Shut home. up. No, it's not. Oh, my God. So when the, 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 there was a room. Uh, we'll get to that later towards the oh, end. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> going back to the story. Word of Rasputin's activity and Kira's. Cares, uh, charisma, no charisma, began okay. to spread to Siberia around the early eight, 1900s. At some point during 1904-1905, he traveled to the city of Kazan, where he acquired a reputation as a wise scarlet or holy man who could help people resolve their spiritual crises and anxieties. Despite rumors that Rasputin was having sex with female followers, he Yikes. made a favorable impression of the Father Superior of the Seven Lakes Monastery outside of Kazan, as well as local church officials, um, Andrade and Bishop uh, Christos, who gave him a letter of recommendation to Bishop Sergei, the rector of the St. Petersburg Theological Society at the Alexander Nitsky Monastery, and arranged for him to travel to St. Petersburg. Upon meeting Sergei at the Minsk Near Sky Monastery, Rasputin was introduced to church leaders, including Arch Manatrice Theophan, inspector, yeah, uh, inspector of the theological seminary, who was well connected in the Saint Petersburg society and later served as a confessor to the Tsar and his wife. Theophan was so impressed with Rasputin that he invited him to stay at his home. Theophan became one of Rasputin's most important and influential friends in St. Petersburg and gained him entry to many of the influential, influential salons where the aristocracy gathered for religious discussions. It hmm. was through these meetings that Rasputin attracted some of his early and most influential followers, many of whom would later turn against him. Also, he was fucking their wives. Well, you know, that doesn't help. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't help at all. Yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, uh, Father, come in and uh, we talk uh, spirituality and uh, I'll feed you and you can bed yourself on the night. Then later on the night, what's that noise? Here we Why go. is my wife has... <laughs> Here we go. I just saved everybody from the rest of that little, little yeah. story. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, man. Um... Rasputin stayed in St. Petersburg for only a few months on his first visit and returned to his hometown in the fall of 1903. Historian, historian Douglas Smith, however, however, argues that it's impossible to know whether Rasputin stayed in St. Petersburg or returned to his hometown at some point between his first arrival in 1905. Regardless, by 1905, Rasputin had formed friendship, friendships with several members of the aristocracy, including the, Bre the Black Princesses, Mistina... Miss Tana and Anastasia of Montenegro, who had married the Tsar's cousin, Grand Duke Peter Nikolovich, uh, 
and Prince George Maxim Maximilianovich Romoskowski. I don't ever want to hear anybody anything about black women's names. Never again. Yeah. <laughs> Not after this. Yeah. Especially this is ridiculous. Why would they call the black princess? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Okay. You got you got the Black Donovans. Mm-hmm. You have what's the other the the popular? Oh, but they you know the color the color black and you. Oh, color me no, not color me bad. No. Shut up! I... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! This is this is. It means things could be you know, dark and mean and yeah. I'm trying to make it better. I just don't play this better. Oh just over the top. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to help him out. Oh my god. A black princess. All right, hold on. Why in the hell do they call them black princesses? Are you going to look it up? <laughs> yeah. Why they call them black princesses? Oh Hang on, everybody. Hang on. Does it? You know, don't. It doesn't say. Look it, Anastasia, the black girl, the black girl, the crows. It must be have. It must be something to do with their personality. It has to be, right? Yeah, because all I see on well, Princess Anastasia, she was married twice. Uh, first to Prince George Maximilian of Lutzenberg. Luch, yeah. Picture. I mean, how they dark. They're dark. Okay, I won't say oh they're black, god. but they're dark. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, continue. Okay. continue. All right. So, <laughs> so he's meeting all these famous people. He's, he's connected to the uh, Roman, uh, the royal family. He finally meets the Tsar on November the first, nineteen o five, at the Pianoff Palace. The Tsar recorded the event in his diary, writing he and Alexandria, his wife, had made the acquaintance of a man of God, Gregory, from Tobiask province. Now we're going to stop it right there because we need to talk about Tsar Nicholas II. Wait a minute. The hold, last. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Is Militza. And Anastasia had been jointly nicknamed the Black Pearl due to their penchant for everything mystical. Ah, uh, okay, but still just as bad. I'm just, saying, I'm, just, I'm just saying they were deeply passionate about the mysticism, which is you know which which explains Anastasia's you know devotion to to Rasputin. Mm -hmm. uh, mysticism that they even acquired. A diploma in Paris as an honorary doctor of alchemy. Okay. Done. That's it. Okay. I fulfilled my purpose tonight. I fulfilled it. All right. Well, let's see. And, and, and they, 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 they weren't that dark. I'm looking at several pictures, and maybe that was just a picture I saw. These people okay. weren't dark. All right. No melanin. No melanin. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They, they were mystics. Oh, God. Fans. <laughs> yeah. Fans. Yeah. Pension for mysticism. Here we go. Okay. 
it'll, it'll get worse, y'all. Yeah, yeah, because we're going to talk about Zara Nicholas a second. Okay, Zara, which is not great, but go ahead. Yeah, um, this guy. There's a reason why he's the last on our rush up. Again, if if you're not not a history major, Czar is the title they gave the ruling emperor of Russia, Czar Tsarina. Czar translate translates into literally Caesar uh, because of the Romans of their uh, conquests of Russia uh, mm-hmm. for for years at the beginning of the last millennia. Uh, well, the millennium before that, the Roman. So, and this just tells you how far uh, Caesar, the name Caesar goes just yeah. throughout the world. Yep. And how popular the word czar is. Like, like I was thinking about this, like, czar. Like, how popular that became after after this family had died. Like, the, like in, especially in the United States. Like, remember the, the drug czar or the health right, czar? The and, uh, I mean, because, like, because they spent Four decades, no, four centuries in power. Yeah, they ruled for over. This family had, before they were uh, deposed, had ruled Russia for over 300 years. I mean, that's that's a popular type stuff right there. Yeah, that, that, that just goes pretty far. But Nicholas is the reason why he's the last fucking star. You know, you know. Uh, Nicholas. The second he was born, Nikolai and Androdovich Ronov. And mm-hmm. May, he was born in May 1868. Uh, he's known in the Russian Orthodox Church as Saint Nicholas the Passion Bearer. Yeah, that's why I told you about the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to name this guy the Saint. He was the last emperor <laughs> of Russia. His official title was last emperor, well, not last, but emperor of Russia, king of Congress Poland, and grand duke of Finland. That's a lot. Yeah. A lot of titles. He ruled from November the 1st, 1894, until he abdicated the throne on March 15th, 1917. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do we start? Well, let's start at his birth. Uh, he's born, yeah, he was born in a title. He was given a title first of Grand Duke Nicholas. Uh, he was born in Alexander Palace, uh, south of St. Petersburg during the reign of his grandfather, Emperor Alexander II. Mm. He's the eldest child of then the Zarinovich, which I guess translates into Prince Heir Alexander, uh, Alexander and his wife, Maria. Grand Duke Nicholas' father was heir apparent to the Russian throne as the second but eldest surviving son of Emperor Alexander II. He had five younger siblings, Alexander, um, who I believe passed away a year after he was born, George, um, Zinya, Michael, and Orga. Nicholas often referred to his father uh, in letters after Alexander's death in 1894, Alexander, his grandfather. He was very close to, to his mother. No, no, his father. He, 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 he was writing when he uh, his father passed. Uh, mm-hmm. He was very close to his mother and was revealed in published letters to each uh, 
other. Uh, let me give you a little background on his grandfather. Alexander II, when he came into power, he wanted to give reforms to the Russian people. He abolished the serfdom system. Um, oh. he, and he wanted to bring a, a, a Congress into uh, the Russian, well, not the Russian people, the aristocracy, the Duma. We know it, it's the Duma now. Um, that's he, the name of their Congress. He must not have ended well. Um, no, he was, I believe, yeah, he was assassinated. Yep. <laughs> doing too much. He was definitely doing too much. He, before he could put the Duma into effect, he was assassinated. Um, so his father comes in, Alexander III, it was like, no, we're not doing that shit. My father got assassinated because you wanted to put a Duma in, and we're not doing that shit. We're not, we'll, we'll keep the serfdom, you know, not enslaved on the land, but you're answering to the wealthy landowners. I'm in charge. I'm fucking in charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and the whole time his father walk, run around uh, trying not to be fucking assassinated. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> because Russia has a, had a really interesting history of assassinating their leaders <laughs> when they're pissed off. <laughs> if, you did, if you didn't, if you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> you got and, to go. Yes, you were absolutely got to go. And also add to the fact that uh, Tsar Nicholas II uh, has direct lineage to not only Peter the Great, but also Queen Victoria of Great Britain. Because they all have the same damn lineage at this. Yes, like I, you've seen the famous picture of Tsar Nicholas II and England's, well, Great Britain's King George V standing mm-hmm. together. And uh, they're looking damn near identical. Yeah, yeah. That was the inner fucking all the monarchs of Europe were doing. Yeah, that would be shit. They were all the fucking, they were sending out uh, sons and wives. Like, here, you marry this guy. You marry this guy. You marry this guy. You, you, know, like, you marry this world. You, you rule this uh, kingdom. Like, Queen Victoria at a time before most of the... Uh, European monarchs had fallen after World War One. Um, they were all over the damn place. Yeah. Greece, Germany, yeah. Syria, all over the fucking place. Denmark. They were serious about it. Serious about it. Yeah. I mean, like, all right, here, here's his. Um, Nicholas was related to several monarchs in Europe. His mother's siblings include Kings Frederick VIII of Denmark and George I of Greece, as well as the United Kingdom's Queen Alexandria, who was the wife of King Edward VII. Nicholas' wife Alexandria and German Emperor Wilhelm II were all first cousins of King George V of the United Kingdom. Nicholas also first cousins to both King Hakon the seventh and Queen Maud of Norway, as well Queen as King Christian. Maud. Let's yeah, let's, Christian. Pause. let's yeah. pause. Queen <laughs> Maud. Maud. Continue. You, you know, it's kind of funny because I have a friend and she's name is Maud. I'm not really? kidding. Yes. Hey, Nick's friend Maud. How you doing? That's a- <laughs> 
It's an interesting name. Yeah, it is an interesting name. <laughs> uh, as well as King Christian X of Denmark and King Constantine of Greece. Nicholas and Wilhelm II were in turn second cousins once removed as each descended from King Frederick William III of Prussia as well as third cousins as they were both great-great-grandsons of Tsar Paul I of Russia. In addition Ooh. to being second cousins through descent from Louis II, Grand Duke of Helice, and his wife, Princess Wilhelmine of Bad Den, Nicholas and Alexandria were also third cousins, once removed, as they were dis both descendants of King Frederick William II of Prussia. That made me so... I, I need a nap. Just read that shit. That was so <laughs> Holy fuck. To say everybody's related. Yes, everyone's related. Everybody's related. Now you know how World War One started. <laughs> um, on March the 1st, 1881, following assassination of his grandfather, uh, Alexander II, Nicholas became heir apparent upon his father's ascension as Alexander III. Mm -hmm. Nicholas and his other family members bore witness to Alexander II's death, having been present at the Winter Palace at, in St. Petersburg, where he was brought after the attack. For security reasons, the Nuzar and his family relocated the primary residence to Gachnia Palace outside the city, only entering the capital for various functional ceremonial functions as what, uh, on such occasions. Alexander III and his family occupied a near an Anonich Palace. Okay. So his father is crown czar. He reverses all the uh, reforms his father wanted to do because no. he, yeah, it's didn't want to get killed. Him. Didn't want to get killed. Thought it was he was going to get killed. Also, he thought, hey, I will put. I was put, which translated over to his son Nicholas. I was put here by God. Oh gosh. So I must rule Russia. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Um, in 1890, Nicholas, his younger brother George, and their cousin Prince George of Greece set out on a world tour through Grand Duke George. Even though Grand Duke George fell ill, was sent home personally away to the trip. Nicholas vi visited e Egypt, India, Singapore, and Salam, which is now Thailand, receiving honors as distinguished guests in each country. During his trip through Japan, Nicholas had a large dragon tattooed on his right forearm by yeah, Japanese right. tattoo artist Horio Sintam. Yeah, like that. Keep going now. Yeah, his cousin George V of the United Kingdom also received a dragon tattoo from the same guy uh, in Yokohama years earlier. During his trip to As Asu, one of his escorting policemen swung at the Tsarevich's face with a saber oh. at an event known as the Osu Incident. Nick was left with a nine centimeter long scar on the right side of his forehead, but the wound was not like threatening. So apparently, uh, this guy, uh, Sanso, he was a Japanese policeman. He tried, he tried to kill Tsar Nicholas. Uh, the reason why is a little unclear. <laughs> but he was... Uh, 
yeah, here it is. He he attempted to assassinate Nicholas because he thought Nicholas was a Russian spy. <laughs> okay, he was half right. Yeah, he really wasn't. I mean, from what historic people who were, who were there with him on his trip to Japan, Nichols, is that he really wasn't impressed with the Japanese culture or the Japanese royal family because they were still being ruled by the emperor. I think he had, from what reports said, he was supposed to meet with the Japanese emperor at the time and he skipped the meeting. <laughs> and well. he was also very racist against the Japanese people um, which we'll go into a little bit later on when the shit he gets in with Japan um, <laughs> uh, that's not the only thing he was racist against he was very anti everybody you gotta be anti yeah, everybody everybody was anti semitic but he was like it, it was kind of like with certain royal families he kind of kept it like, yeah, they were anti-Semitic, but they really didn't allow it to affect their policy, especially since there were a lot of Jew- Jewish people who were uh, the aristocracy. Like, there's one, there was one report that when he went to visit his cousin, King George V, mm-hmm. that he was, this is when he was czar, he, he was so openly anti-Semitic that literally he made the uh, royal family of England very uncomfortable. And it was like a couple of them had said to him, like there was one guy that was there who he refused to go near because he thought he was Jewish. Like this guy would try to start a conversation. This part, this guy is part of the aristocracy of of, mm-hmm. of, of the United Kingdom. And every time he tried to uh, like start a conversation with him, or even like he was in the same room, Nicholas would just move around like very frantically. Just <laughs> like I don't want to okay. be near the Jewish person. It, it, it was so bad that, that the English royal family made fun of him. They were like, dude, you need to relax. Chill out, man. <laughs> like, especially with this guy. This guy is one of us. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Chill the fuck out. Interesting. Very like, interesting. Even, like, when he, like, was re- interacting with Rasputin, Rasputin was, like, in, like, the pogroms that were going on um, in Russia, at the time before World War One, um, a lot of Jewish programs were going on, and Vespul was like, "Dude, chill out, stop killing all the fucking Jews." Yeah, like God, he was like, "Dude, stop! This is ridiculous." <laughs> and he tried to get him to stop, like, but we'll get into that a little bit later on. So, so after that incident, when someone tried to kill him, um. He returned back to St. Petersburg, um, and he was there at the ceremonies in uh, Vasunik, commemorating the beginning of the work of the Trans-Siberian Railway. Mm-hmm. Then in 1893, Nicholas traveled to London on behalf of his parents to be present at the wedding of his cousin, the Grand Duke of York, to Princess Mary uh, of Tech. Grand Duke of York is George V. Okay. Queen Victoria was struck by the physical resemblance between the two cousins and their appearance confused some at the wedding. Again, go back to the picture. Even though Nicholas was heir apparent to the throne, his father failed to prepare him for a future role of czar. He attended meetings of the state council, however, as his father was only in his 40s, 40s, it was expected that it would be many years before Nicholas succeeded to the throne. Sergei Witt 
Russia's finance minister saw things differently and suggested to the Tsar that Nicholas be reported to the Siberia Railway Committee. Alexander argued that Nicholas was not mature enough to take on serious responsibilities. Having once stated, Nicky is a good boy, but he has a poet's soul. God help him. <laughs> Witt stated that if Nicholas was ever introduced to state fairs, he, will be, he would never be ready to understand them. Alexander's assumptions that he would live a long life and had years to prepare Nicholas to become czar proved wrong, as by 1894, Alexander's health was failing. Yikes. Now, in April of 1894, as Nicholas joined his uncle Sergei and Aunt Elizabeth on a journey on a journey to Germany for the wedding of Elizabeth and Annex's brother Ernest Lewis, the Grand Duke of Hainis, to their mutual first cousin, Princess Victoria Melta of Saxon Saxon Comburg and Gotha. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Other guests include Queen Victoria, Kaiser Wilhelm II, Empress Frederick, Kaiser Wilhelm's mother, and Queen Victoria's eldest daughter, Nicholas' uncle, the Duke of the Prince of Wales, and the bride's parents, the Duke and Duchess of Saxon Comburg and Gotha. <sighs> right, take a breath. Jesus Christ, I got tired of reading that. <laughs> Once in Germany, Nicholas proposed to uh, Alexei. Alexei. Alexei, excuse me. But she rejected his proposal, being reluctant to convert to Orthodoxy. But the Kaiser later informed her that he had a duty to that she had a duty to marry Nicholas and to convert, as her sister Elizabeth had done in 1892. Thus, once she changed her mind, Nicholas and, and Alexei became officially engaged on uh, April 20th, 1894. Nicholas' parents initi initially hesitated to give engagement to the blessing as the Nixie had poor impressions during her trip to Russia. They gave their consent only when they saw Tsar's, Tsar Alexander's health deteriorating. And yeah, they didn't like uh, the, the, said, the He's not going to be yeah, alive long anyway. Yeah, the, the Russian family did not like Alexandra, who the man, the woman he, he Nicholas chose as his wife. Oh, okay. He he had a like they tried to break him up. They send him like one of the reasons why they sent him on that that world trip is because he was so infatuated with with Alexei, and um, like the 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 heir to the throne of Russia, uh, when in their youth years, they usually go around just man whoring it up with yeah. everyone they did. Nicholas is different because he didn't do that at all. Like mm -hmm. he was like a one, he was like I'm saving myself for the one, Aww. and then he met the one. And he was like I'm saving myself for her, but his family Aww. was like, no, there's no fucking way we're gonna allow you to marry this goddamn woman. <laughs> it's, it's like she's a she's a she's a prick. <laughs> so he actually had a he actually like when he went on the trip, went on the, the world trip, and even before like before and afterwards, he was having. An affair with a Russian ballerina, right? And this family, like, he was encouraged by his family for them to do that, to do that. But he still pined for Alexandria. So, right. um, yeah, he uh, get married. Um, uh, Alexander was Alexander III was laid dying upon learning that he he would only live a fortnight. 
the Tsar had Nicholas Summer Alexei to the to Imperial Palace mm -hmm. uh, in Lavina. Alexei arrived uh, the 22nd of Ar October. The Tsar insisted on seeing her in full uniform. From his deathbed, he told his son to heed the advice of Wit, his most capable minister. Ten days later, Alexander III died at the age of 49. The 26-year-old Nicholas is emperor of Russia. That evening, Nicholas was cons consecrated by his father's priest, Tsar Nicholas II. And the following day, Alexei received into the Russian Orthodox Church, taking the name Alexandria uh, for, for, Don for Dorvia, with the title of Grand Duchess in the style of an imperial Imperial Highness. Nicholas may have felt unprepared for the duties of the crown, for he asked his cousin and brother-in-law, Grand Duke Alexander, Alexander, what is going to happen to me in all of Russia? Hmm. Y'all are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to be good. No, it's not. Well, he finally married uh, Alexandria on uh, November 26, 1894. Um, he was he was coordinated uh, May 26, 1896 uh, in the Kremlin okay. in Moscow. Uh, at the time, St. Petersburg was the capital of uh, Russia, the Russian Empire, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, the Russian Empire. Um, they later, the Bolsheviks later, when they took power, moved it to Moscow. Okay. So at the time, the center of the Russian world uh, was in St. Petersburg. So he's crowned. He starts having kids. But how do you feel about the story so far? <laughs> what are we going through? <laughs> it's like it's like it's like I'm, I'm I'm amazed that. But of course, you know, when you read the story, the story itself is not long right. until you get into the, you get into how everybody got into the they were in. Right. So I this this information about how everybody got to this position is kind of like, no wonder. Mm -hmm. No wonder they had such an amazing amount of distrust from peasantry as they're called right. right no wonder there was such an amount of distrust this distrust was very much earned uh, uh by their by their you know the people mm -hmm. whose descendants they were this distrust was earned uh and it's generational distrust and you know you 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 have all of this time where the peasantry is very dissatisfied and when they're able to do something about it they see, they see this current generation as representing the group of folks who got them there I mean it's and so you know they're in, honestly they're in not so bad for those that, that who, who can be considered I guess they were I don't know how, how young they were and I'm, I'm sure that three of them are pretty young they were pretty um, but yeah the family themselves not so much the individuals but the family themselves earned it and it's understandable that that no one trusted them because it got worse 
and then enter and then enters Rasputin. Right. Who was giving them who was giving them <laughs> advice about things that that, that 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 he said, you know, people were saying were mystical and, and they're following it, I'm assuming. Right. People, you know, people could only take so much. It, 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 and it's like every, every every couple of centuries, right? People can only take so much. Yeah, and the the thing with um like the like the 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 working class peasantry, whatever you want to call it in Russia, they really didn't like like I, I, the example that um I give is the um, not example, but with Tsar Nicholas, they really didn't start blaming Tsar Nicholas until things really started going really bad. They blamed the aristocracy and everyone around him, even before Rasputin. Um, they were like, well, all these other people are bad, but the czar is, if the czar knew what was going on with us on the ground, he would be able to fix it until they was like, wait a minute, he is here on the ground and everything's getting worse. Oh shit, it's all his fault. We gotta get rid of everybody. (laughs) Uh, And even like with some of the like. A lot, a lot of peasantry would say that, like they love the czar. They were like this because they were constantly through the Russian Orthodox Church and propaganda. It was the czar is brought by God. The czar cares about you. The czar, like we're the czar's children. Like right. he just knows what's going on. He can be able to fix it until it's like he knows what's going on and he's causing all the problems. Right. So. Yeah, it really starts getting bad into his reign, especially like people like historians like, well, he was incompetent. Like, yeah, he was incompetent, but it was a lot of things he f- fuck he, he he had done that was just like, dude, you you should know better. But he did it anyway. Like the example we bring up here. The rush, the Russo-Japanese War. Right. Now, a class between Russia and Empire of Japan was almost inevitable by the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. Russia expanded in the Far East, and its growth in settlements and territorial ambitions, such as the southward path to the Balkans, were was frustrating, combined with Japanese Japan, excuse me, own territorial ambitions on the Asian mainland. Nicholas presumed pursued an aggressive foreign policy in regards of Manchuria and Korea and strongly supported the scheme for timber concessions in these areas as developed by the um, Bresnobras Group. Before the war in 1901, Nicholas told Prince Harry of Prussia, I do not want to seize Korea, but in no circumstances can allow Japan to become firmly established there. It will be uh, class Bella. Okay. Now, the, yeah, he had uh, wanted Manchuria and Korea for, for a long time. The Japanese were already in China uh, fighting the uh, Chinese, trying to seize Chinese land. And they were trying to get over to Korea, and then they ended up conquering Korea. And they were in Manchuria as well. The Japanese tried to get out of this war as best as they can. Mm-hmm. They were like... They had brought the Japanese emperor, well, representatives of the Japanese emperor, had brought to Tsar Nicholas, like, okay, look, 
You can have Manchuria. Manchuria yeah. is all yours. Okay? <laughs> um, and we'll work out an agreement and a trade agreement for uh, with Korea. But Manchuria is all yours. And you have enough resources in Manchuria. Like, we're not going to put up a scrap of Manchuria. Sorry, Nicholas is greedy. He's like, no, I want Manchuria and Korea. <laughs> I want it all. I want it all. And you're like, no, we got here in Korea. Mind you, the Koreans had no say over this at, the at a certain time. <laughs> but they were like, the Japanese was like, they were trying to get out of this, trying to not fight this Russian. Right. Uh, army so and also combined with Nicholas racism against the Japanese and not only that, that it was special against that racism all of Europe and in the United States have viewed Japan as this primitive freaking island oh they <laughs> we're not so the war began in February 1904 with a preemptive Japanese attack on the Russian fleet in Port Arthur prior to a former declaration of war. With the Russian Far East fleet trapped at Port Arthur, the only other Russian fleet was at the Baltic Sea. Fleet. Excuse me. It was half a world away, but the decision was made to send the fleet on a nine-month voyage to the east. These guys. This guy. Right. The Japanese is, is totally encircled and decimating his Far East fleet. So he's like, well, we need to get that other fleet. Well, the fleet to the Baltic Sea. Mm -hmm. We have to travel nine months right. to get there. And it's a very large fleet. Yeah. Like, larger than Jap the Japanese fleet. They outnumbered, this Baltic fleet outnumbered Jap Japan two to one. Wow. But you got to get nine months to get over there. So the United Kingdom would not allow the Russian Navy to use the Suez Canal due to its alliance with, due to its alliance with the Empire of Japan and due to the Dodger Bay incident where the Baltic fleet mistakenly fired on a British fishing boats in the North Sea. The Baltic fleet transver traversed the world to lift the blockade of Port Arthur. But after many misadventures on the way, mm -hmm. it was nearly annihilated by the Japanese in the Battle of the uh, Zuma Strait. And you know how they did it? So Not the Russian fleet gets there at night. They were okay. like, we're going to sneak in. And we're going to bombard the Japanese. But some stupid sailor had left a light on and a window open on one of the ships entering the entering the Port Arthur and the Japanese saw it it was like there they are <laughs> and started to shell the shit out of them <laughs> <laughs> now yeah they they decimated the Russia the Russia fleet they decimated right. it and it was a surprise to not only the Russians but all of Europe it was a surprise Right. And this is going on at the same time as the Russian Imperial Army is not doing that bad against the Japanese army. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're having logistical problems while command while commands and supplies came from St. Petersburg, combat to, took place in East Asian ports with only the Trans-Siberian Railroad to transport all the supplies as well as the troops needed there as well. Right. 9,200 kilomiles which is 5,700 miles 
of rail line between St. Petersburg and Port Arthur for a single track with no track around the Lake uh, Bascal, allowing only gradual buildup of forces on the on the front. The besieged Port Arthur fell to the Japanese after nine months of resistance. As Russia faced imminent defeat by the Japanese, the call for peace grew. Nicholas' mother, as well as his cousin, Emperor Wilhelm II, urged Nicholas to negotiate for peace. Despite the efforts, Nicholas remained evasive, sending a telegram to the Kaiser on in October that it was his intent to keep fighting until the Japanese were driven from Manchuria. It was not until May of 1905, an annihilation of the Russian fleet by the Japanese, that Nicholas finally decided to sue for peace. Okay. Nicholas accepted the American uh, mediation led by will help negotiate it by then American President Theodore Roosevelt, appointing Sergei White chief uh, chief mediator, chief, well chief uh, chief their their representative in the peace talks. The war was ended by the signing of the Treaty of Portsmouth, mm. Portsmouth, which also got Theodore Roosevelt the Nobel Prize. Your thoughts uh, on that? <laughs> you got Theodore Roosevelt the Nobel prize well and that's that 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 should get that should give folks a, a indication on you know these these things that are valued so much all these things that are valued so much and how they're given and why they're given and what they justify and all that stuff i mean there's it what what it sounds like to me is that so many people's lives were sacrificed so so folks can maintain this 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 status folks can maintain this power um, which is, you know, which is how these folks got into the situation they got into. You can only do that stuff for so long. You can only affect people for so long in this way, over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, and also, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, um, and also coming to the fact that you start a war which they try to not get into, the Japanese try to not get into, and then they annihilate you. This reverberated yeah, all across the world, sure. because again, Jap- they, the West had thought the Japanese were this primitive army, and they right. pretty much destroyed one of the largest European fleets mm-hmm. in the world. Yep, and I think it says something, right? It's 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 it's, it's in especially the Japanese armies. It's always said the same thing: when people are are just overtly dedicated. When they're overtly dedicated to not just the cause, but their leadership, hell, they're going to the end. And so when leadership loses faith, um, you know, they're going somewhere. Also to an end, not a similar end, a painful end, an unfortunate end. But I just it just really talks about the 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 the, the faith of I mean, really, the faith of the working class, really, of any country, right? When you win that faith, it's 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 amazing how people will will. It's amazing how people will sacrifice for th- themselves and defend, defense yeah. of their leaders. But when you lose it, woo! Yeah, and, and and not even the the like like prop up the Japanese at this time because they they the the Japanese then and even now to this day has a. Real- 
Hey, this is Red Nick coming back at you. Yeah, this episode is just way too long. I mean, it's already at an hour, and the second part is over almost an hour and a half. So we're going to cut the this part right here. I do, do sorry about cutting it mid-sentence, because uh, the recording equipment stopped recording, and then we pick it up like a minute later. So we're going to debut part two tomorrow. So keep your eyes open and peel for part two tomorrow. Um, so... Yeah, part two will come out tomorrow. Um, Till then, y'all stay weird, because being weird is really cool. We'll see y'all tomorrow.